0: Susanna, why don't you call the roll, if you wouldn't mind? Trustee Lou Present.
1: Trustee Banerjee? Here. Trustee Lawrence? Here. We have a quorum. Excellent. Okay.
0: Um, Welcome, everyone, to the September 7th Finance Committee meeting. Um, We have a full and important agenda today, so let us begin. And the first order of business is a consideration of the minutes from the July 6th meeting. I will move to approve if I can get a second. A second. OK. Um, any um, any comments? OK. All in favor say aye. 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 The opposed or abstentions, Susanna? No. OK. Then it's approved. Let's move on. Um, So, contract approvals. Um, We have a number of them. And um, I know that I have some questions about many of them. Uh, David, did you want to say something to kick it off?
2: Well, I was just um, going to mention that uh, Ira Holly is here to walk us through the uh, the contracts. And uh, we can go into as much depth as uh, you'd like. The first one up is the... uh, Increasing the funding for the Alameda Health System Foundation uh, from um, I believe it's two point two million currently for a three year agreement to four point one million, and so let's start with that. Okay,
0: and that is for well, okay. So why don't we do this the right way? So I will um, I I will move uh, I I will move the uh, Alameda Health. Uh, tab 2A onto the agenda. Anyone second that? I second. Okay, let's
2: talk about it. Um, so I can I can provide so more uh, I can provide more background what, if you'd like, Jim.
0: Yeah, why don't you talk about it a little bit and then we
2: can ask some questions. Okay, so currently, <clears throat> and about a year ago, the board approved a three-year agreement to fund the foundation with 2.2 million dollars. Um, recognizing at the time that that's not enough to cover their entire operating cost, And um, the intent at that point was that they would make up the difference through what are called unrestricted contributions, which are gifts that the foundation can use for any purpose, um, as opposed to, say, a restricted contribution, which can only be used for, you know, the purpose that it was given for. Um, The the foundation's been very successful. Um, The uh, we met, met the fundraising target for the ACF. Uh, we, um, they recently uh, got a $6 million grant from Kaiser and um, even more recently, I think, received a $2.5 million uh, restricted contribution that I think is actually going to be delivered in the form of a giant check at the next uh, next board meeting. So overall, the foundation's doing well, but the unrestricted fa- contributions have been less. Okay, Now, that... Um, these are a situation where they actually had to use more of the contract in the first year than they'd expected. So normally, they were expecting to use about $750,000. They actually wound up using about 1.3. okay Now uh, that leads to the need to um, ensure that they have adequate funding for the, the entire three years. And so what we're asking is that in addition to what happened last year, we increase the funding going forward by about $650,000 per year. So that would take the total contract from 2.2 to 4.1. I've looked at it. I think it's well within the ability of the organization to fund that. Um, And the other thing is that most systems that have related foundations actually adopt a policy of covering all of their operating expenses. And the reason is when the foundation goes out to raise money, they want to be able to say to the donors, 100% of everything you give is going to go you know, toward a good purpose. So um, we're, we're not recommending that the, uh, we deal with that issue right now because we're in the middle of a three-year agreement. We thought we would, this would take care of it. That would give the board adequate time to talk about whether you should adopt a different policy. Um, and at the same time, um, I'm sure there'd probably be a discussion about what is the long-term fundraising plan. What level of expenditures is actually going to be required to do that? So we thought this is a good interim step. You
3: mentioned the slight increase in the target. It's also oh, yeah. so they see that, but if increase in the revenue. They C- could you could you sorry? Uh, mentioned the the slight increase in the fundraising goals. So I think it's a in terms of what about uh, is it 700 or somewhere. Okay. a couple hundred thousand dollars yeah. improvement in the uh, fundraising total as well okay. or target. Okay.
2: Yeah. And uh, and we should mention that um, uh, Deb Barnes is here to respond to questions And, and the, David,
4: what's the percent what what is the percent of, of uh, operating costs relative to the overall budget? The the overhead cost. The percentage of the overhead cost relative
2: to You mean to just to run the foundation?
4: Yes. Well, I suppose because when you look at... Um, but when it's you actually the
2: majority. The majority is... The way foundations work, most of the expenses are what you would call overhead, fundraising expenses, the office. Um, and then that is then offset by whatever types of contributions come in. And I'm, not, I'm sorry I'm not familiar with how much was raised exactly, but uh, um, Deb could w-
4: answer well, that. Well, I I may have been looking at this... this. In the wrong way, but it looked to me like they had a very low percentage of total dollars directed toward their operating and overhead, etc. Um, and which gives me a great deal of pride that the money is going to to the places that we want them to go to. So yeah. the restricted things, but and so I was I was wondering what percentage that was because if in fact you look at private foundations, um, there's a recommendation that those things should never be above 25 to 30%. Right. So I was wondering what our percentage was relative to,
2: um, right. And I think, and Deb may have this the tip of her tongue and it varies by year, but they're running expenses of about 1.4 to 1.5. And, you know, in the last year they've, they've, um, six, seven, at least more than $10 million. So it's going to be Certainly below twenty percent. That's
4: what I thought it was. Is yeah. that it was around twenty, yeah. Yeah. fifteen to twenty, and it varied for the right. year,
3: mm-hmm. which
4: I think is worthy of people knowing that they have such a low percentage relative to the amount of money that's going to yes. to programs. Right. Okay.
0: And, and this is Jim. Um, so um, David, it sounds. So the way you're saying it sounds like. This is a matter of we're not changing the activity level. It's that um, you know we didn't get the uh, unrestricted funding that we would hoped for to cover the operating budget, and therefore we're you know the AHS is being asked to um, to cover that. And I'm not you know I'm not having an issue with that. Uh, however, if I read Deb's note, it seems it sounds like. There were additional activities that were being covered i just want to i just want to make sure we're clear and maybe just make sure i'm clear
5: isn't
2: there some new stuff that's
6: been
0: planned is that yeah i mean maybe we should that's what i thought join us and pass the mic so she can because i read deb's letter and you know, it talks about, um, ex- remember, it talks about exciting new stuff. Right.
7: Thank you, Trustee Luganani. This is Deborah. Um, I appreciate that uh, you did read the memo and you were excited about it because I understand you. Okay, you owe
0: me a cup of coffee <laughs> then. Yeah, for- deal. <laughs> for giving you that lead and I'm, I'm teasing you.
7: I, I appreciate that. Um, but, yes, um, you know, we are, we are um, coming off of a very successful capital campaign, uh, Opportunities, the campaign for the Alameda Health System, which was directed uh, to raising funds for programs and equipment and services in the new Highland Hospital. And our goal of 15000000 million, we've surpassed at $22.6 million and counting. So we're saying, why stop there? You know, when when uh, charities finish their capital campaign, oftentimes they'll ratchet down, but smart charities will use the success that they've gained and the notoriety and the great image for doing what they said they would and then some to go to the next level, and that's what we're wanting to do. And we're talking internally with our board about whether or not it makes sense just to continue some type of a capital campaign under that opportunities for Alameda Health System and look at other programs and services that are appropriate to support, either at John George or San Leandro uh, or back here at the, the mothership, so to speak. So um, we're evaluating that now that the strategic plan is done. And when we first put the contract together, we didn't know what we didn't know about what the vision would be and what the plan would be. So we were conservative. And when asked to cut our earlier contract of 3.1, we did so to to 2.1. And that's probably not a good thing, but it was good at the time. Uh, we have since hired a full-time major gifts uh, officer, uh, our director of leadership and plan giving. Not only are we going now to work with individuals who have the capability of making major gifts, but also uh, starting a plan giving program in a legacy society. So very excited about that. And I think that
5: sure. three months synchronizing it with the fiscal, you know, it just makes sense so yes, much it more. Does. But
4: yeah. Yes. I call for the question. Okay, and Dave, the additional money—that's not a—that's
2: not going to be a budget hit for us, or a or, you know, budget issue for us. It's—it's mm. it's, uh, we've got it taken care of in the budget.
0: Okay. Um, so the interest in moving on, unless there are other questions, um, shall we vote? I All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay. Sounds like that was unanimous. All, All right.
7: Thank you very much.
2: What? Okay. Um, why, don't, why don't we ask Ira to walk us through the next uh, next items? Sure.
6: Okay. Uh, Hi, Ira. Hello. Um, the first item up is the um, extension proposed for the agreement with the University of Pacific Arthur Dagonia <laughs> School of Dentistry. This is for the arrangement with them, under which they provide both professional oral and maxillofacial surgery services for inpatient ambulatory and emergency, including 24-7 call coverage. And in addition, they also provide clinical training and supervision of AHS residents enrolled in the oral and maxillofacial surgery residency program. So that's the two elements that they mainly do. In addition, in supporting this, they provide also the chief of OMS, the LMS program director and an associate program director for a total aggregate of 2.2 FTEs as indicated in the board summary document. Um, the current agreement has been in effect since April of 2013 um, and we, I inherited it when I arrived and I have been in initial discussions with the primary business owner, which would be John Chapman for Highland, and also with the alternate side representative for UOP. My understanding from initial conversations was that although it wasn't defined yet, hence part of the reason for this additional extension is that there would be some unnamed necessary changes, material changes in the types of services provided, I need to explore that in more detail with John in conjunction with UOP, and that is the main reason that we need to have this additional extension of time. It has admittedly taken a little more time than I would have liked and anticipated, but with all the various other balls in the air, we focused as we could, and we anticipate getting it wrapped up in this additional time. Are there any uh, questions with regards to the particulars?
0: And and, and actually, um, I I didn't want to interrupt you, but um, let's move this on to the agenda formally. So I'll I'll move move this, and if I can get a second. Second. Okay. Um, Ira, if you could do me one favor um, going forward, speak up a little bit more. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's hard to hear. Um, But uh, any questions for Ira on this one?
4: Uh, I, I don't have a question for Ira, but I do have a question for Del Vecchio, um, and, and it may not apply because this is just an extension and not a new not a new contract, but when we met with the committee and we said, you know, we were going to make certain that there, were, there was going to be on the agenda something relative to a, a notation that anything related to the medical there was going to be a notation that, in right. fact, it, it had it gone through the appropriate people.
3: Right, and uh, so so th- that that process we're still creating. Uh, but you're right that this is uh, this would be a little bit different in the sense that, um, from their vantage point, at least as articulated so far, uh, it was about any sort of changes to uh, either the contractor or the uh, elements of the contract, and in this case. Uh, this extension wouldn't uh, sort of cross that threshold, but any, the, the, the further contract would, in fact, do that. Uh, uh, and I believe uh, there is, and Ira could speak to this, but if it isn't, we'll address it. There is, John is the lead for this, but he's working directly with the uh, clinical leaders in the area of surgery where the dental, or the uh, OMF uh, um, S program lives, uh, to, to partner with that. And that would be the spirit of what we're getting at, which is the clinical expertise uh, uh, most knowledgeable about the contract and the elements of what we need for a patient care delivery being involved in the process for determining what, what are the needs that would be uh, um, expressed in and met by the contract itself. So, so both of those things are occurring, but you're right, in this case um, uh, uh, of an extension, it's not crossing the threshold of what the medical staff have articulated that they, they want to do. Have
4: you talked how, how you would envision the, that document that comes to the board You know, is it going to come from the chief medical officer who signs off on it? I I suppose, in terms of the accountability process, you know, are having holding one individual relative to that end versus all diffuse. You know, all the various people who work through contracts. Um, So, would you give that some thought? We
3: absolutely will. Yeah, Uh, we have uh, uh, already. as a part of our routine contracting process, a signature routing process. So I don't know what, if this will end up being that, but uh, one way that this could occur is that we would have in the, uh, in the uh, embedded within the signature routing process for approvals before mm-hmm. they come to either uh, David or me uh, uh, or to the board ultimately, uh, indication of all the various stakeholders who have reviewed this and are saying that this is ready for, for execution. Before
4: approval. Okay. And and I understand why this would, I mean, there's no change, basically, just an extension. So I do, I understand why it wouldn't be here. Okay. Thank you.
0: And Ira, I have one quick question. Um, This is about the um, uh, running rate cost. So if I look at the current contract amount and just divide by 42 months and then multiply by six months for the extension, I get 240 two thousand or so and we're looking for 317 so is the running rate did I maybe make a mistake or is the running rate actually below um, the average rate?
6: I don't have the calculations I did with me, but you are correct that on a straight line rate that is less than what is listed here, Um, I would need to go back and double check there. I believe may be certain payments that are triggered at particular months during the course of a calendar year under this contract, and depending on where this six months falls, it may actually include those in here, and that may be the nature of why this has a slightly inflated amount. I can research this and respond back to the board in an email afterwards. Okay. I'm sorry. All
0: right. Um, yeah, I mean, as long as you're confident that's the right number, then we're fine. No, that, that, <laughs> but, um, I, I I'm am. I'm fine. No, but, I, right. I, I am, sir. So, um, I just want to check.
6: No, this all is right. checked by one, two, three, four people, and they run the numbers as well. I ran them last week, but I just don't have it on the top of my head.
0: Um, well, so, um, unless there are other trustee questions, uh, shall we vote? All in favor? Aye. aye. Opposed? <laughs> Anyone? Hello? It,
8: it
3: oh, yeah. unanimous, it, it, you were unanimous. Jim, you didn't, you didn't I'm hear the, They sorry. all it, said it, aye. But we all or said both aye. Both said
0: aye. So
4: we're... We're on to the next. Oh, item.
0: okay. I, I can't <laughs> hear a nod. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, we're okay. Let's move on. I think that one was approved, right, uh, uh, Susanna? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Great. Great. Fantastic. All right. Um, let me move the um, the third item: the hematology and oncology consultants. A second for that, please.
4: Second.
2: Okay.
0: Um, take us through it, David.
2: Um, I'll, I'll, I'll cover this one. So we, we have been in negotiations okay. with um, a group to provide uh, hematology and oncology services. Uh, they've uh, recently notified us that um, they don't intend to renew. Uh, we have started a recruitment process to um, bring new uh, services into the organization, and those would probably be an employment relationship. So we're working with uh, HR to do the uh, recruitment. So we need to extend this contract until we can complete that.
4: To buy, and they're willing to stay.
2: Yes. Yes. Okay. So this is basically, you know, so this is kind of the end of the contract, if you will. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay. Um, other trustee questions?
4: None on my end. None on my
0: end. Okay. Um, I do have one. It's not really about this. Uh, it's more of a higher. Maybe a next level up question. It just seems like a lot of our specialty services are contracted out. And I may have even asked this question in a previous committee. Um, is you know is that the case, or am I just you know kind of reacting to what's in front of me? Um, and is it normal at other hospital systems? And um,
2: uh, m- most of our uh, specialty services are, in fact, contracted out. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure what normal would be. Um, Dr. Jamaluddin is not here um, this evening. He's at a, um, a beta uh, meeting on a new, exciting new uh, quality program. But it's something that he's looking mm-hmm. at, and I'm sure he'd be prepared to talk at a later date. Uh-huh.
0: Okay, that's fine. Um, Delvecchio, was that what was your experience like down south?
3: Uh, it's, it's, it's mixed. Um, I always say, uh, not just down south, but in, in San Francisco. Um, uh, we had combinations, so uh, we had um, because in LA the model was mostly employed or all employed. It was all through, uh, uh, or with a few exceptions, mostly employed providers doing not just the specialty services but primary care as well. Uh, in San Francisco, it was all contracted, but one major contract it was with the university. So, so it's, the 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 model I think varies across organizations and and. Uh, we're looking at it. Uh, we're looking at all of our provider delivery model actually as we work with uh, Alameda Health Partners as we stand that organization up, and um, uh, because a lot of the decisions and the relationships will be funneled through that uh, entity, uh, the, the discussions that that leadership and that board have are uh, uh, decisions around any time we're doing or looking at our provider relationships to say is. Contracting the best route to go is employment. The best route to go, so so, and Dr. Jamaladeen actually uh, uh, obviously sits on that board and uh, is participating in that process in that capacity and in in his CMO capacity. So you're right uh, uh, that here uh, uh, they are I th- actually, with the exception of Ortho, I think probably all uh, contracted out, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, sort of empirically, uh, but it's certainly something we want to look at.
0: Yeah, and I wasn't. I didn't want to imply that it was bad or good. It's just, you know, it's something that struck me. So it's not, and it sounds like um, you're being pretty proactive about, you know, figuring out if that's the right thing for us and that's good enough for me for now. Um, so okay. So on this particular one, if we can vote, I will vote yes. 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 <laughs> Approved. Thank you. Okay, that sounds unanimous. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so, conifer, David.
2: Uh, yes. do You want to put it in motion?
0: Oh yes. Thank you. Um, I let me move to um, let me let me move that onto the agenda if I can get a second. Can I get a second? Okay, thank you. Okay, Okay. David, go ahead. Thank you for keeping me um, on process.
6: Okay, Um, this is Ira. Um, The background on this is we are looking to enter into a new arrangement with Conifer uh, Consultancy to serve in the capacity of a managed services organization, essentially. Um, There is a relatively long board summary that applied in this case because of the backstory, if you will. I will try not to just completely reiterate everything in here, but my understanding is that in the higher levels, due to a change in the way governmental payment, which we are primarily dependent upon, that is in the pipeline from fee for service to essentially a more risk based, capitated environment, which we know is coming and we're having to plan for is going to be predicated upon our ability to understand the very particulars of the population's health that we manage and population health management, and also to do case management in a way that we have not so far been staffed and equipped to do. Um, Conifer is a consultancy that has a history of proven ability to actually provide these services in a turnkey fashion. In addition, we are also looking to a time when they can not only come in and begin providing these services now, as outlined under the three SOWs in this situation, but what they are also going to be doing is, under the third SOW specifically, assessing our current capacities on the ground level for how we could do it with our current staffing levels and systems, and then make recommendations to us during the course of the proposed tenure on how and what we would need to do in order to build ourselves up they would also be training our actual staff in how to do certain techniques and skill sets that are necessary to work in this new risk-based environment so the view is that over the course of this contract they would not only provide turnkey skills and sets of technologies so that we could begin functioning, especially with our HPAC population under a health um, health population um, incentive program, but also being prepared for the transition over the few coming years from fee-for-service to a risk-based situation. With all of that being said, we would look for certain technologies and platforms, especially under the first SOW, which would be the analytic software and modeling, et cetera, then in a higher level, we would look at under SOW-2, that would essentially be the management services and the care management skills they would apply primarily to the health pack um, incentive plan. And then number three, SOW3 is the consultation services that they would provide in essentially assessing our current skill sets and giving advice on what we would need to do to augment our internal capacities at some time in the future to meet the requirements of this new world of risk-incapitated based um, reimbursement. That is I think at a high level essentially what we're looking at. Um, and it is, as it indicates in the summary, a proposed arrangement, I believe, for as I get to it, it is agreement. a really long one. Three years. Yep, three years agreement, and it has a um, 90-day out clause, and everything is broken down per SOW per year in the calculations for the total spend estimated. Um, I think that's fundamentally it. Good. Okay. Uh,
4: I have a couple questions. One um, is, why was Conifer the only people who were interested?
2: I was... Um, Actually, Optum did come back and made a presentation. They didn't get to the point of making a uh, formal financial presentation. And um, uh, the committee that reviewed it, uh, between the two presentations that were made, had a preference for conifer. And we're kind of up against a deadline because um, as part of the health pack contract, we have a significant amount of money tied to incentives around population health, one of which is to select a system. So um, at the time we looked at this, was really just a couple of weeks ago. We said, you know, we're running against a deadline. We we seem to prefer um, conifer, so we uh, went with them. We've been talking to them more than other parties, and uh, and that's so, why you have the so, chance.
4: So David, I I appreciate the higher level, but yeah. I I don't have a higher level view. So. Let me try. Move okay. move it down so I know what are these people I mean how many people okay. are gonna be here, what are they are they here mm. five times a week, are they here every day? Are they a part well, of the step I well, mean? Let me, how let me does describe this what's work? gonna happen. What are so, they doing? so
2: Confer has a, a technology platform. Okay. What the platform does is it loads claims data mm. from the contract that we're dealing with, which is Health Pack, which is the uninsured population here in Alameda. So for all of the services that are provided here, across the Bay, Berkeley, wherever, we're going to get all that information and we're going to put it into this big database. Okay? The first thing we're going to do is look for and the services. the database
4: they control or we control?
2: We control. It's okay. their, so it's our. They're going to maintain the software, the tool, but it's our data.
4: Okay. okay. So it's
2: like a remote, you know, okay. using. It. First thing we're going to look at is say, okay, well, we'll we, what services are people getting that are not in Alameda Health System? And we'll start looking and so, say, well, you know, why are people going across the bay to Stanford for this service? Or why are they going up to Alta Bates for that service? And we'll try to identify them. The next thing they're going to do is they're going, uh, the so, system. Stop,
4: stop yeah. there. So, so I can, and the way I, which yeah. I can learn is to yeah. repeat back, sure. cause If I understand. Yeah. So I understand is this group is going to collect data. Relative to the services that are being provided, claims, claims, claims data, data. Yeah. Uh, pharmacy
2: pro- drugs they're taking, okay, you go see a primary care physician. They go to an urgent care center someplace. They they wind up at UCSF for heart surgery. We'll know everything. Today we don't know about. It. And then that's
4: that. that helps inform a strategic plan relative to where we see. Yeah. these people going. Because
2: then you can look at the entire population and say, well, what's happening with this, this okay. group of people? Where, where are they going? Okay. The next thing it'll do is it'll And take, how
4: long will that take?
2: It's going to be within a month.
4: Okay.
2: Okay. next thing they'll do is they'll look at the population and they will use um, their algorithms to do what's called risk stratification. So they will identify which individuals are the highest risk that are going to consume the most resources or have chronic diseases. And they will then, using our people, will have access to their disease management programs. So if somebody's got COPD, they'll get into a program with diabetes, you know, and we will have, uh, they will have people that will train our care coordinators to identify those individuals, reach out to them, connect with them, and make sure that they follow protocols, because they have uh, what are called interqual criteria, which is, uh, for a particular disease state, what is the standard of care? Okay, so our folks can then identify who those people are, where they are, and then start working through them with. Okay, this is this is what we need to get these individuals to do. Um, you know, medication management to UTI will help with that because you can see all the different drugs that they're getting from wherever they're getting across the organization. And um, uh, and then I mentioned they're going to train our care coordinators. That's essentially what's going to happen. And so, so
4: this relates to the tri- the population health triangle where mm-hmm. we have the big and then... Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. Yeah. And so we're going to learn on this relatively small population of about 30,000 people. Uh, but once we learn how to do that, we can then apply it to the Alliance, which has about 200,000 MediCal cal employees. So they go from uninsured to MediCal, And we're actually now negotiating with the Alliance to the first year sort of have gain-sharing, but the second year move into capitation. So if we... This is going to like... You know, capitation on training wheels. We're going to learn, how to learn how to do population health management over the next year, and then a year from now we'll be prepared to um, start managing uh, Alameda Alliance populations.
4: And, and how long do you see Conifer being in the organization? How, when you see the cycle of learning this process, yeah. what do you, how, well, well, there, what there, do you
2: there, see? There are really a couple things. One is the technology, which I think is transitional. And we, we're doing this specifically transitional. Dave will tell you he's working on an IT strategic plan, and eventually we're probably going to want to have our own population health management system. But this is not the right time. Okay. But on the other hand, hi, it's Jim rejoining. Hey, Sorry. Jim. On the other hand, we can no learn. Doubt. We can learn from this system, and then make the decision three or four years from now where we want to go. The other aspect of it is the um, the expertise, the care coordination expertise, and that is something that. We, we specifically want to transfer from Conifer, who knows how to do this, to our staff, who will know how to do this in about a year, and the leadership team and everything. So we will learn about population health, what it means, how it works, what the skill sets are through this, and then Conifer can go away.
4: In kind of for Southern California, did I see that? The Pasadena area? I think, I think I that's what that's I
6: saw. Well, so. actually, it's a Maryland-based corporation, mm-hmm. but they have a center in Southern California. They are also in Texas. That's where the majority of their consultants have come from, of Southern California and Texas.
5: OK. I have a question. Um, Timing-wise, because we are kind of in the infancy of our business unit development with populations, so and this is kind of mm-hmm. bi-directional, where What they, this short term bridge will inform some of our Mm -hmm. um, decisions as well. But in terms of the scope of work and how that's renegotiated, because as we get to flesh out uh, our SBU better, Mm -hmm. will that, do you see coming down? I I did see that, you know, as the scope of work changes a little bit, we might have to go and renegotiate parts of the scope of work. Does that, does Mm -hmm. that seem like there'll be?
2: quite possible. Fair amounts of? Sure, that's quite um, possible. We we might get into this and find out we need more of this, less of that.
5: And it only, then the renegotiation is only on those aspects of it, not like
2: the,
4: only on that scope of work? But but you're thinking a three-year process here.
2: (laughs) Yes.
0: Well, I guess, is there room to, I, I assume there is, room to renegotiate as, as we, you know, let, let's pretend that, you know, we go on for 18 months and we've learned a tremendous amount. We say, you know what, this contract doesn't really make a whole lot of sense anymore. I'm assuming that we can,
6: uh, you know, do some significant revisions if we need to, to so that it makes sense once again. Um, yes, this is our. I think... I'm I kind of think that's what you mean. King yeah. Okay. Um, yes, this okay. is Ira, um, Trustee Luganani. Um, regarding your um, question, there is language in the contract contemplating a 90 days without cause termination notice. So if at any time... 18 months or even fewer, we were at the point where we decided for whatever reason we wish to either renegotiate or we wish to simply say goodbye to Conifer, we can affect that by, with the 90-day notice. We could also use it if we wish to renegotiate and say, well, either we renegotiate or we use our 90-day without clause, and that would be incentive for them to come to the table.
4: And, and Ira, there, the 90-day clause goes both ways? or okay. Yes, so it is usually reciprocal it's reciprocal so we've mm-hmm. locked these people in for they can't they, have they can't leave us high and dry
6: they'd have to give us 90 days notice
4: it's not a lot of time okay
6: um one thing it's not it, i mean
0: this contract brings the subject up in my mind but it's not directly related um you know the, the notion of um Capitation, yeah, mean, you know and that's a huge change in our risk profile and the way that we might want to do business and um, you know and, and it's something that you know again beyond this you know that this contract is part of it, it goes beyond the contract um, I do think that that's a subject that the um, certainly the committee and also the full board should be um, getting up to speed upon know um this change in the way that we may be doing business, and what that means in terms of the risks we're taking on, and how we need to change a lot of the ways that we do business so that um, you know so that we're operating efficiently and also um, economically. Yes, and I have so a. There's nothing to do uh, now. Uh, this this is more of a statement that you know this is something that I think
3: that you know we the committee we the board should be. Um, yeah, you know, should be getting up to speed on. It. Yeah, I do have an educational session planned on this in a yeah. couple of meetings. Uh, Maybe we should just remind. it So for health pack, we are already capitated. Yeah, we are essentially cap. Yeah, we're essentially capped for health pack. So uh, that that's what makes this a fertile environment for yeah. us to uh, uh, to to, if you will, cut our teeth on understanding how to do this well uh, before, as David mentioned, we get to medical mm-hmm. and other uh, uh, areas where we're trying yeah. to gradually walk into that. Uh, in a stepwise fashion.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine that, you know, um, you know that, you know, each different insured population is going to have um, you know different character you know, ultimately it's gonna have different characteristics and different ways that we're gonna to want to approach it. But um, but yeah, you're right. Um Health Pack is a you know that, that's it's a great starting point. It's a great starting point. Okay.
2: Call for the question. Mm-hmm. Any other questions?
4: No, I think just
5: updates from time to time about how, especially the training, I think, will be so uh, vital once yep. the platform is there, how that's going.
0: All right. All in favor of Conifer, I? Aye? aye. Aye. Okay. I sound like everyone is for that. Okay. Um, last item on the agenda, I will... Um, move that we consider Oak Care. A second,
4: please. Second.
2: Okay. Okay, uh, Dave, so... you want to talk um, us through that one? I will. Uh, so we are currently operating under an extension uh, of this agreement through uh, September 30th, which at the time we brought this in, we thought we would have um, sufficient time to complete negotiations. Uh, that has proved uh, not to be the case. And um, we now are requesting a second extension through March 31st of next year. And this is our largest physician contract.
0: Why? I mean, you know, and this is somehow, I'd like to think that Ocare is a little bit different. It's our medical group. Why is it so hard to get a contract?
2: Um, Okay, well... um, (laughs) It's a big contract. To the extent that that we can talk about that yeah, what's going on. It's a big contract. It's very complex. Uh, There are certainly uh, issues and concerns that we have with the current uh, performance of it. Uh, We set out a a process and a timeline that uh, we thought was reasonable. It depended on uh, obtaining... Uh, sufficient information about the, the activities of the current positions that we're contracted for so that we know how much time is spent between uh, teaching, uh, administration, and clinical work, actually taking care of patients. And uh, we kind of actually uh, got to an impasse where the group was not comfortable providing that information. They, they took a position that they wanted to wait until the new uh, chief medical officer uh, was on board before uh, having a discussion about that we've uh he's now on board we 're having those discussions, and uh we need to go go from there
4: perhaps we could have a at the board meeting a closed session put this on an an agenda for closed session conversation relative to um, and I know contract bargaining um, and I know they're not a union, but there arose.
0: I, I think that's an excellent suggestion. Um,
4: Michael make it. Michael figure this out. Don't say no, Mike. Michael
0: figure, figure it out. It out. <laughs> yes, I will. Thank you. I heard Mike say yes for Ted. Um,
4: he's gonna work.
0: Other him. other trustee questions or comments.
4: All in okay. favor? Okay. You, are you calling? Okay, with
0: the six-month extension. Aye. 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 Okay, that one passed. All right. I think that is that is all for approval items. Congratulations.
2: Okay, then I guess all we're right. up to the uh, financial report. Yes. Okay, tab four. And um, I'm going to refer you to the, uh, the handout of the PowerPoint presentation, which you probably have. Um, let's see. Back up now. Um, first thing I'm going to cover is the uh, organization chart for the finance division, and as you probably know, with the uh, uh, new strategy that we're adopting, a um, entire reorganization of the organization. But, I mean, but you're going to see finance. Oh my god! Excited to talk to see about it. that. And for, yes. for, for, oh my uh, god. for a couple of reasons. Um, the first reason is very sad which is that we have to announce that um, our Vice President of Finance, Vanetta Van Cleave, has made a decision to leave the organization and go ride snowmobiles in Montana. <laughs> so I want to uh, personally thank Vanetta for her many, many contributions, and she is going to be sorely, sorely missed.
3: Vanetta? She's working.
4: Right next <laughs> right up, right up. Already missed.
2: <laughs> well, okay. Um, so anyway. Uh, we are going to be doing some reorganization and posting the position, doing some recruitment. New oh, and Dave, Dave I'm sorry. Um,
0: I would just like to um, pile on and um, publicly acknowledge Vanetta's contributions and that I will miss her. Uh, Vanetta, you came at a um, you came at a tough time for the organization and you really helped and I appreciate that. So I just
2: wanted to say that.
1: Thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words.
2: Thank you, Vanetta. The uh, okay. The other major change. Take me with you. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the,
4: Please. The
2: the other major change okay. is uh, we've recently had a terrific addition to the organization, Ashwari Venkatamaran. is the charge of business planning, and we're taking this opportunity to combine her activities with. Um, Uh, those of Jody Copeland who runs financial planning and analysis and we're actually redesigning the entire structure and um, assigning the um, the various analysts and business development managers that work for her to specific strategic business units. I think this is going to be very much of a career broadening opportunity for those staff and also it's going to provide the uh, operational leaders with uh, financial support that they've been requesting. So we're actually very excited about this and it's going to be uh, it's going to encompass this rolling budget process. It's going to encompass the um, budget oversight committee, the monthly variance committee and the uh, business development activities that are going to be assisting operations to implement the, uh, the strategic plan. So we're very excited about this.
4: Uh, David, how is this organized relative to the cost centers? Is there any relationship to how you've set this up and <clears throat> the, co- the duties in the cost center. Yeah, uh, so
2: these are uh, the individuals there operate the cost centers that report to me, but they support the uh, the cost centers that are in the new organization structure. So all the strategic business units, we will have a financial analyst assigned to each of the strategic business units who can work with Luis and his teams to help him develop his specific
3: plans and implement them. So I think uh, great. that's great. Uh, the question I, I think you're, or what you're looking for is um, the organization-wide. So my my org chart, we've all been working on these. David's presenting his, which is fantastic. Uh, when you see the organization-wide org chart where you're talking about how we're changing the budget to reflect the different business units, you'll see where those bus- different business units fall within the organization. And as he's reflecting his team is designed to operate the financial side of that, but some of the uh, structure that they're doing is in direct reflection of how they're going to support each of those business units. I see. I see. It's
5: really oh. being institutionalized now. This is so good. <laughs> I'm really
2: okay. It is for us too. All right. Um, we should put an orange shirt on every. Show. I know.
0: I was like, you're not. Yeah. Okay. this is tremendous progress. Dave and I—I um, I mean, I remember um, it was a, a thinner organization when I first joined the board. So, um,
2: um, great job. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Um, now we're up to the um, financial statements. We actually have two to review. We have <clears throat> the results from June, which is the end of our fiscal year, so I'm calling that fiscal 2016, and then we have July. And I'm, I'm really going to just give you the. Um, the high-level information, because I think you're pretty much familiar with it, and we have other things to talk about in more detail. Uh, but the first thing is that the, uh, the 2016 statements um, are subject to audit. Uh, the audit's going very well, and uh, actually the auditors are going to report at the audit committee just an update uh, after this. Uh, the big surprise was uh, the GASB 68 pension expense adjustment, which and that is going to go into more detail, but it is a big deal. Um, there is a one point uh, nine million unfunded liability the there is a sort of a mismatch on the expense of the pension plan between what 's going in and that is causing increasing expenses so then it will show you the total expense of that's getting up to about eighty million dollars a year, which is almost ten percent of our budget it 's enormous um, The um, the other thing about 2016 is the the patient activity, the volumes, were actually pretty much um, above or in line with budget with a couple of minor exceptions. But activity was good. Um, We had exceptional uh, revenue, uh, patient revenue and supplemental revenue. We had very strong cash collections. We had pretty good expense control. And um, most of our key ratios improved as a result of that. And we actually achieved our bottom line. Uh, budget, which was uh, remarkable, even with the GASB 68 issues. Uh, we improved the balance sheet significantly. We had terrific cash collections and got the AR down to a level that's um, uh, quite respectable. So that's a, that's a nice turnaround. That that has largely uh, continued into 2016, the first month of the year. Um, pretty good patient activity with the exception of ambulatory access, and we're talking about a redesign that uh, we're going to take to that the oper- Ambulatory Operations Committee next week. Uh, Revenue so far consistent with budget, cash is consistent, we still have this GASB 68 issue, and registry. Uh, Most expenses look reasonable with the exception of registry, and one of the things we did at the last Budget Oversight Committee was to approve and fund the hiring of about 30 new nurses to come in, and we think that that will largely address the registry and the overtime issues.
4: And the the FTE relative to patient how did that? What did that? How did that change? Um,
8: uh,
2: I mean, are we a, still?
4: A, are we still low per? No, I'll show you some FTE? of those. So,
2: um, just, and I'm not going to take you through all these numbers, but this this first chart is for 2016, and it's showing the annual performance here, actual to budget. And so, on that statistic, which is what we measure, we were at 4.72. Okay.
4: Budget
2: of $5. The budget was 5 and last year was at 5.14 so last year we had 5.14, we budgeted 5.09 and we ended up at 4.72 and last year our compensation divided by revenue was 72% we budgeted 66.8 and we came in at 65.8 so we did really really yeah. well at improving these ratios. Okay?
4: So... You know, David, I think at the beginning of the meeting, I, I mentioned to you that that the progress that has been done, and, and of course, you should take some of this credit too, madam. Um, the work that has been done over the last couple of years is really tremendous. <clears throat> I mean, it really is quite impressive of how much we have gained and grown um, this is probably the best thing I have seen since I've been on the board in relationship to performance.
2: Well, on behalf of the entire team, let me say thank you. It's a lot of hard work by a lot of people. I, I,
4: I, I do have a question. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? I do have a question relative to ambulatory. Um, how much of the ambulatory is related to wait times? I mean, is is that part of the issue that we're not getting people in? And we we used to charge, chart that and how long it took for somebody to get an appointment and et cetera, et cetera. And yes, right. Uh, and, and so I'm wondering, is that part of the issue or...?
3: I think it's a combination of things. So uh, we, uh, and we mentioned this even under the context of the third next available is just a different manifestation of the fact that the ambulatory volume is lower than budget projection, meaning our ability to get people in uh, um, um, is not where we had projected to be at this uh, particular juncture. Part of that uh, from the operational side is is... A combination of staffing. So uh, we have had some successes throughout the ambulatory infrastructure in bringing in new docs. Unfortunately, we've also lost a few docs, and so unbalanced, we were we were you know, sort of neutral where we needed to actually come up. Uh, we've recently actually uh, been able at the end of last year to bring on some additional docs, and so uh, the numbers and I think uh, uh, June reflected that we've had more ambulatory um, uh, uh, volume in the month of June, but the numbers were still lower. Uh, Compared to uh, what we've budgeted, <coughs> and that's some onboarding and kind of still continue to get things stabilized. We still do actually need additional providers, and recently, the budget oversight approved two more. Was it two more uh, uh, physician FTEs in the in the ambulatory setting? I think it was. Yeah. yeah so so release know. those. I'm looking I at John so behind know. you. Sorry. <laughs> He's like, okay, why are you looking right. at me? <laughs> uh, John. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, So two more. So it's uh, a lot of it is a. Uh, uh, provider challenge um, um, and staffing, I should say not the providers themselves, but being able to have the the resources and then I think a lot uh, another part of it is is our model really uh, and that's what part of the plan is uh, centered around kind of looking at how we can provide access in other ways that aren't uh, provider contingent or MD contingent uh-huh. so. Looking at you know pharmacy only visits, uh, um, dietitian only uh, visits. Looking at a PCMH model that's going to take a while for us to develop, uh, but we know and uh, believe uh, through assessment that we uh, we can't necessarily hire our way out of this challenge. Um, I think resource-wise, we'll be constrained in doing so anyway. Uh, but uh, some of our first salvo is looking at that, looking at provider productivity to see if we can actually see more patients in a timely fashion uh, uh, within the clinical slots that we have. And then ultimately, we do believe that uh, from a sort of uh, community perspective, we need to grow and uh, uh, provide more uh, access in, in various parts of the county South County, East County, North County. Uh, but we want to start by optimizing uh, the resources that we currently have. and And trying to make sure that we're using those to the fullest extent and then building out from there.
4: And is there any relationship between lean concepts and ambulatory
3: art? Uh, We use uh, uh, lean throughout the the enterprise and so there are some clinic sites that are using lean to look at not just uh, productivity things but also perhaps uh, quality uh, um, um, factors as well. Um, I can truthfully say I don't know a ton about that right now because uh, we've been a little bit disjointed in terms of our, um, our resources in that space, but I am happy to say uh, uh, that we have, uh, with the uh, uh, help of uh, Luis and, and Jeanette and the HR team, we've posted a position for our leadership in Lean to uh, resource and support that team to build up our capacities in that space and uh, actually uh, had a good response candidate response and are, are still at the early stages of that process, but moving down that direction to kind of help with it. So there's certainly some connections, uh, but I think there's some broader things in terms of ambulatory and our leadership there and our processes that we're also working on that will help this area too.
4: Thank you.
0: Yeah, and um, this, is Jim, just um, kind of following up on that because uh, I, I had a note to um, talk about ambulatory as well. Kind of it stands out, and you know, and I know there's a kind of reorganization, restructure going on, but maybe. I think it would be worthwhile to, um, you know, to do a little bit deeper dive into that, and just so the, you know, at least the committee understands yeah. um, what's going on
3: and, you know, how we're going to get better, better. I think uh, I appreciate so. the the comment, Jim. Uh, I think uh, we are planning to come to the retreat with greater detail on the strategic plan, and part of that, obviously, is the redesign, but also. Um, uh, The the, uh, sort of the leadership that's actually happening. We have a search now for a leader for ambulatory. You'll you'll recall that uh, this year has been sort of a hybrid year for us and Guy uh, Kisgaard and a lot of the CEOs supporting him have been helping to work with the clinicians in that area to keep ambulatory moving forward and doing a great job, all things considered. Uh, But we have operated effectively a whole year without um, uh, designated leadership in that space and we're Gradually yeah, no, I know. So I'm thinking,
0: just you know, once that gets settled down, you know, it would be, it would probably be good to um, to get into that a little bit, a little bit more in
3: detail. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, settle it down first, and then we can get at it. <laughs> Duly note it. We'll do. Um,
2: Thanks. Okay. So um, July is pretty much a continuation of those same trends. Doing okay overall. We've got this pension issue, which Annette is going to talk about. Um, uh, ambulatory visits and registry. That's pretty, other than that, really pretty good, pretty consistent with what we expected. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: Dave, in your um, in your written, uh, you know, in what was in the packet, you talked about supplemental reimbursement in. Um, uh, I guess the the, the the change here a change. The uh, change in the Medi-Cal waiver calculation for California public hospitals was adverse for us in June. And is that something that's going to continue on into you know, this, this fiscal year? And is that a threat to our budget?
2: Um, um, I'm trying to recall that specific issue for uh, let's see you
0: said this is in your finish. June comment. supplemental reimburse, supplemental reimbursement revenues Decrease in decreased period. in June as a result of the change in the Medi-Cal waiver uh, calculation. Right.
2: Yes, I don't um, I don't think that that will be I think that's a specific issue for a specific year because the calculation has changed going forward okay. through a new methodology. So I think it's a one-time event that we're dealing with. Okay, all right, okay. thanks. Okay. I feel better. Okay. Uh, I'm going to finish up on. I'm on page uh, slide eight of the presentation. Just finish up on cash, uh, just to point out that really it's been um, exceptionally good. This sh- this is uh, cash collections on patient accounts, not supplemental. But you can see we uh, 2015 was actually a good year compared to the year before that, and we've gone from 467 up to 607, and um, for the first two months we've averaged about 50 million dollars a month. So. Um, really, really good uh, cash performance. And then the, um, yeah. the net negative balance, here's the forecast. We're currently at about 120, and we expect to end up at about 120, uh, well below the target of 140 in next June. So. This is really remarkable. It's fabulous.
5: Hey.
0: Remarkable. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think the uh, the, the little the little um, cash collection chart month by month that you had in the packet I thought was especially striking because you had you know 2014 15 and 16 and it was just um the the, the difference between 14 to 15 is really amazing and then i thought what well, was really it you know, was put was the uh you know the uh, icing on the cake if you will was you know that you know we continued that performance in 16 and even improved upon it so you know it wasn't a you know, it looks like it's getting institutionalized, which I think is especially gratifying. And, um,
2: and there's.: fabulous. And there's actually still more opportunities. Believe it or not, there actually is. so Thank you. Okay. Pardon uh, me. There's actually more opportunity. So we're still going. We're still going. Uh, you, you you you
0: you mentioned so we'll be looking for 100 million per month next year. Yeah, maybe we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you were not
2: okay. going that far. But. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's transition over to. Um, didn't want to scare you. Go ahead. Let's transition over to pension, and uh, we have two issues on pension. One is this Gatsby 68, which is how much of the um, ongoing expenses we get allocated. The other issue I'll talk about, which is this. Uh, uh, retrospective pension, un- unfunded pension liability. But the net is going to cover the first issue. I'll cover the second. So, off you go. All right. well,
1: um, thank you for having me here this evening. And quickly, um, thank you also for the opportunity to work with this organization. It's been very rewarding, and I truly value my time here. So thank you, and thank you, David, for bringing me.
2: You know, you can still stay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not that much.
3: Well, we'll reimburse your ticket.
1: And on to uh, something of not quite um, so lighthearted, the GASB 68 pension expense. So I want to start off by clarifying or bringing to your attention that there's actually two components here that we're going to be discussing. One is the underperformance
0: portion. Okay. And, and, I'm sorry, could you just speak up a little bit? You kind of That's break up. Sorry. This. And this is really important, so I want to hear every word.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, So I was just pointing out that there's two components to the pension expense that I want to talk about tonight, and and it's um, important to clarify. There's the underperformance um, expense that we will be recognizing and discussing, and then there's also the contribution expense. Both of these are on our financial statements. So each year, um, there is an actuarial report that comes out that values um, what that expense or quantifies what that expense is for GASB 68 purposes. And as um, David pointed out, it identifies the portion of that expense that is allocated to AHS. The most recent actuarial um, analysis um, resulted in an additional $14 million of expense allocated back to FY16, and that um, the reason I say allocated back is because we don't get that actuarial report um, in a, before the prior um, prior to the fiscal year end. So, an additional $28 million is being allocated um, to. Seventeen. And neither of these were budgeted for, so that's important to note the timing um, of when the actuarial report comes out, and um, in in conjunction with how our, our budget timing is. We can expect a similar trend going forward. Um, I was recently at um, the Bene- the employers' um, meeting for ASERA, and uh, they indicated that the. Expectation is for the next five years to be very challenging for pensions across the nation. So, that is a topic of conversation. We'll come back to that in a moment. The funding requirements. This is the second piece. The contribution. We make that contribution on a biweekly basis in conjunction with our payroll. Um, The funding requirements are different than than the actual GASB expense recognition. The GASB expense recognition of the underperformance is over a five-year amortization. Which is different than the funding, which is amortized out over 20 years. So the funding is going to be more smooth, but it is going to um, all of that underperformance is going to be reflected in that funding requirement. It's just going to be at a different pace. So that's why you're going to see a difference between the um, the performance expense and the contribution expense over time. The um, funding expense also includes interest and salary assumptions, and we receive that information on an annual basis. um, The actuary for ACERA notifies us of what that per salary dollar ratio is of contribution for funding, and it's varied by tiers, so we have different levels of employees within ACERA, and um, some of the assumptions are around how many employees are going to be Enrolled or in the um, in our service during the year versus the reality. So again, that can affect some of the funding expense or contribution expense if we have more employees or less employees, and it's on a ratio of salary dollars that would. C- could you give an
4: example of, of uh, some of that ratio? You choose two sure. or three groups, and you know is what, what is the ratio to salary.
1: I apologize, I cannot answer that specifically. We have um, several different tiers in ASERA. so each tier has its own ratio. Um, I did not bring that information with me. Yeah, that's probably okay. something I that have, can
2: I answer. Have that.
1: Okay, well. Yeah. She, yeah. she
2: like deals with the input and we, we get the, okay. Um, yeah, We just kind of see the summary numbers and that's a good question.
1: That is yeah. a good question. I, prepared, not prepared.
2: Okay. Okay.
4: Okay. I, I would be I would be interested to yes. know that, and and because I think that that certainly um, that certainly influences collective bargaining and where the board might want to be relative mm-hmm. to some of those issues. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if if I understood what those percentages were, it might make a difference. And I understand because they're going to be different for different groups. I I understand. I just wanted to kind of get a sense of what might be a high group and what might be a low group relative to the high percentage of pension dollars to salary.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, So again, that's the the funding contribution, which is calculated out. um, And we pay that on a biweekly basis. So this year we've had um, a couple of significant... Factors that have contributed to this increase in expense: interest rates have been very low, um, and this has affected the um, the current value of future liabilities. And the return was actually 3.8. Now, SERA being a very long-term, hundred-year kind of plan, um, has projected out an assumed return of 7.6% over the life of the of the plan. That affects the um, the expense that is. Calculated if the return is less than 7.6. So they didn't meet their goal. The expense to the employer's increases because they didn't realize that in return on investment. So 3.8% was what was realized through 1231 of 15. And again, this is another timing issue. The actual report is 12.15, 1231. And we received the um, report in June. I'm sorry. 0.4. percent that's a significant difference. 0.4%. We are estimating 3.8 for 17. I apologize.
5: Can you say that one more time? Yes.
1: In effective, oh, okay. 1231 see. of 15, mm-hmm. which is our FY16 expense mm-hmm. increase, the realized return was 0.4%. Significantly different than the 7.6 anticipated. Okay. Now, as a result of that, um, I have a couple slides ahead. We are projecting out 3.8% return for 17 expense. Neither of those items were budget.
4: And why did you choose 3.8? Um, uh, they did.
1: They did. They they did.
4: did. No, no. no. Oh, we, we did. did. We did. We did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's okay. And, and you um, know, so, yeah, so it's I'm, based on, based it's, on what, what yeah. logic are you applying to, to put the 3.8? Okay. Um,
1: it I
0: think is 3.8 simply half of the target rate, right? No. Um, I mean, um, I'll it,
1: go with
2: that. It is, but we talked to our actuary, Karen mm-hmm. Mack, and said what would be reasonable. Uh, we can be more aggressive, we can be less aggressive, but we had to come up with a number. Their long-term objective was 7.6. They didn't hit it this year. Um, so there's no magic to it.
1: And you can't really base it on what has happened for these first few months either. Um, in f- 15, for instance, the first half of the year, they had a very positive return, positive being 3.8, I believe it was, and then the second half of the year, it was a negative 3.1. So um, there is some fluctuation there. As I indicated, it's going to be a very challenging period for um, pension plans. Sarah has a meeting scheduled on October 21st with their actuaries and um, and other employers to discuss what the future looks like for pension plans in order to have a, um, a realistic, transparent view of what's going to occur over the next five years. Thank you. So this is a demonstration of our actual expense.
4: Um, I'm sorry. Um, yes, ma'am. i I'm still kind of stuck on on that three on the investment rate that yes. you're, you're looking at. So, um, I mean, when you see these huge swings and you look at what's happening nationally, mm-hmm. you know, relative to interest rates. So I'm trying to, I, I'm really pressing again on, well, only because if we don't make it, there, there again is a significant mm-hmm. impact to mm-hmm. the budget. So I'm trying to understand, you know, you're rolling the dice and, and why you chose that number. Mm-hmm. I mean, what were the indicators that said that's a safe number to to, to use? Which way goes forward? Oh, there we go. Okay.
1: Safe number. Um, I, I don't know that it's a safe number. Um, we did meet with our actuary, not Becerra's, Altman Cronin, and asked them to look at what what, if analysis um, for the future for FY17. And that is demonstrated here looking at the potential rates of return. You can see on the right-hand side under estimated the rate of return of 7.6, which is what ACERA's plan for the life of the um, plan is, 3.8, 0, and a negative
2: 3.8. And this would be the resulting expense.
1: Correct. Eighty-three, ninety-two, one hundred mm-hmm. and one hundred
2: nine. So we've picked that. And so this. this would be the expense. Mm-hmm. But if we're wrong, if we're wrong down the downside, it could be one hundred nine, one ten. If we're if it's better, then it's maybe eighty-three. The big, very vari- big, big variation in these numbers. Like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So,
4: yeah. Okay, so it, so it's just kind Point of... Point just seems a little optimistic, right, given... Well, it, but, you know, it it does for me. But, you know, I don't... I'm not you guys, and, and so the only thing that I think a board member can ask, you know, I wouldn't say... I, I just have to challenge what... Tell me your assumptions, and I think you've explained what your assumption, you know, where you landed. Um, it, it obviously gives me pause, but
1: reasonable but you know
4: yeah it's in between it's reasonable uh, i just think
1: yeah
3: it. it seems like it's a it's, it's a situation where your sort of your approach is uh contingent on what, what what is a comfort for you some some would say yeah you know, exactly let's, let's be Jim again exactly yeah let's be aggressive or aggressive meaning let's follow them and you know sub- uh, uh, potentially be subjected to the same thing that happened this year, which is you're exposed to a, a wide range of of, uh, of uh, uh, risk or exposure. If that actually doesn't pan out, mm-hmm. uh, you could say let's let's not have any confidence in that or what other actuaries may suggest. will be the reality for this year, and just let it all be upside. You know, let's all be pleasantly surprised if it occurs. But then that's going to affect your ability to budget and and do other things over the year because you've effectively. You know, put all that risk in some of the pool that you won't realize until at the end, perhaps. Uh, so you strike, you know, strike a healthy balance and say, you know, I recognize there's still some some upside risk uh, to the tune of what almost 20 20 million, 18 million, uh, but I or I should say downside risk, to 18 million. But in this case, now I'm leaving some room for upside uh, benefit to the tune of about 11 million. So somewhere in the in the in the middle. And quite honestly, even that could be wrong. We could, uh, we yeah, uh, right.
4: I mean, fair. so, you know, you're, no. you're yeah. I mean, it's not ignorant guessing. It, you know, it's informed no. guessing. But nevertheless, it's, it's, it's guessing. No. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
2: Now, we, we skipped over this one, but it's important because this is the amount, this is the, the expense that we're booking here. But here's the cash contribution yes. here. Okay, so 42 million, uh, up a little bit from where it was the last few years. But then here's the effect of GASB 86. So what happens is for each of these years, 15, 16, 17, they do this calculation on what actually happened, and then they amortize it or spread it over five years. So as you can see, we're picking, here's the first year, second year, third year, there's gonna be two more added, and then these, this year will drop off after that. So you kind of get an idea of the layering that occurs. This is just going to keep getting bigger and bigger for a couple of years, depending on what happens. And if um, these two factors: interest rates, which has the effect of increasing the, the present value of the liabilities, at the expense, and the return on plan assets. I mean, if they have you know a ten percent year, fifteen
3: percent year, these numbers will turn around and go the other way. The last
4: right, year. and yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, hooray, hooray, but. Um,
3: but is it is it I'm sorry is is it right that their actuaries are still although 7.8 was the uh, um, projection for this year and it mm-hmm. was you know down to 0.4 mm-hmm. uh, they're still for next year or this current year uh, striving for 7.8 or uh, projecting 7.8 again
2: Yes. Yeah, is that the, right the, or no The plan assumption is 7.6 7.6 okay. but, but the f- assumption is over the next. 100 years will average 7.6. Right, because they're long-term. But and the problem and, is on the yeah. GASB 68, okay, but then you have to book what actually happens. Right, yeah.
3: right. So. Okay. You don't have the luxury of just yeah. taking the long shot. Yeah, so uh, the, the expense
2: will be you know going up and increasing. The funding will lag behind. So the, the funding will go up, but not, not as clean much clean. as this. So hopefully you know, over a long period of time,
4: and, and do we have um, a chart or a, a I'm not sure what you call it, um, a schematic that shows the the history of our retire our employee retirement rates and the age of the employees within the system? And I'm 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 trying to anticipate. I mean, yeah. the question yeah. is, can you anticipate? the the outflow from the organization relative to your budgeting and knowing that you're going to have to contribute this and then people are going to start start drawing on it because yeah. they're leaving. And so, you know, younger organizations have more time to to fill up the pot. Right. An old, older organization, they're going to be drawing pretty quickly. So do you have any of that
2: um, kind of... Uh, that, that information is in the system. I mean, we don't have it at our fingertips, but we can have um, our actuary come in and um, discuss how it actually works if you're interested in a bigger discussion than have.
4: Okay. It, it, it just seems it might have implications about how fast we need to, mm-hmm. we need to take care of yeah. the deficit.
2: Yeah, and, and realize this is an extremely arcane area with its own language, and it gets very, very technical. Even I have... A, Understanding, so we're trying to sort of just distill it down into um, you know, something that's more understandable. So, well, and the
4: rest of the country is like this too, so okay. yeah.
0: Okay, and and David, it, I think it's even more complicated, right? Because I mean, we're drawing from a pool which includes you know, which we're a small part of, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yes.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Okay, is that correct?
2: That is correct,
0: yeah. We, we so, pre- we I mean, you know, we could have, you know, a normal or even low level departures, and some other part of the pool could, you know, there, there could be a run, if you will, on, you know, from another employee group, and we'd have probably limited to no visibility and
2: into it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to move on to the next area, also dealing with pensions, but on a different issue, which is um, how to fund the uh, deficit, the unfunded liability at Asera and how much we get allocated of it. And as um, Veneta's uh, presentation mentioned, the current liability, unfunded liability is $2.1 billion. As of the last fiscal year, it was uh, I believe $1.9 billion. These are big numbers. B with a as in boy, not in as in might. Um, so, uh, what happens here? And I, I've got this presentation. I'm, I'm going to try to simplify it because I just kind of went through um, a discussion with um, Karen, our actuary. So, what happens with this is when a when a plan is unfunded, the the plan sponsor, which is um, Sarah, has to come up with a funding methodology. And again, it kind of gets spread out over time. Um, Vanetta mentioned on the expenses the amortization is um, five years, and that's an expense, not necessarily cash. This this is cash. Okay, so this is cash. It's big numbers, and so essentially the way this works, um, and this is greatly simplified, is that the um, the the plan sponsor looks at this unfunded amount, which is at the time they're looking at it was 1.9 billion, and they do this very very complicated. Uh, calculation that you have to be an actuary. But the way it works out, at the end of the day, if you divide by 15, that's about the amount of money you got to come up with. So you take 1.9 billion, divide by 15, it's greatly simplified. And you come up with, you know, hundred and something million dollars that you have to come up with that year. Okay? Uh, so what Acera is currently doing is they are taking that amount of money and they're saying, okay, um... HS, you're a participant, and your your employees' your salary is currently 28% of the total salaries in SARA. So we would like you to pay 28% of that, and we get a bill for 28% we have to come up with, you know, 30, 28% times you know 100 something million dollars, which is 30, 35 million dollars. Okay. So the problem with that is that. All salaries are not alike, okay? Cuz sometimes they have different benefits, right? And sometimes those employees like ours don't stay. They don't vest. Okay? So we wind up they leave, they go take other jobs. So what happens when that occurs is that we are then contributing 30, 35 million dollars a year. Something like that. Actually, you'll see the numbers is a little bit less than that, um, but getting no benefit of it. And so, what we did is we had we we had our actuary look at it. and We went to a Sarah and said, "Hey, we think that there are other ways of doing this, and and one way is to identify what part of that liability actually is attributable to our employees." Mm-hmm. And in fact, they agreed to do that. And they had a company called Siegel do that. So, it's their actuarial theirs. and they come up with a number of fifteen point two percent. Well, guess what? Fifteen point two is a lot less than twenty
5: eight. Twenty eight.
2: Yeah, and so uh, we put together this presentation that basically says we think the methodology that you're using is not equitable because it's um, you know it's um, we think it's, it should be fifteen point two nine to twenty eight, and um, then we said. Um, you know, as an independent organization, we really don't have the backstop of accounting. They're really not there if we get into trouble, and we're looking at losing the Medicare waiver dollars. This, this is an issue that, or Medicare waiver, we, we really have to deal with this issue. We have to deal with all of our expense issues, but this is a big one. It gets a lot of money. So um, here's our, you know, we're challenged, so we're going to say this is our, this is our problem. We, we have to deal with this. Um, this is the way you're doing it. You're, you're, you're allocating based on payroll, but we think that's not appropriate. What you should really be doing is allocating based on liabilities, okay? Uh, and we would walk them through the methodology. And then, then here's this. Now this is important. So here's the, here's the calculation. Here's the amount that's gonna be allocated. And this, this is how much we estimate was allocated to Alameda. The numbers that are, have footnotes are, alloc- are estimates. These are actual numbers. Okay, so currently, 2015, 28%, that was $24 million. Okay, so it wasn't 30, but it was 24. And then this is, and we don't know exactly how much it should have been through here, but we, but we do know that this number is correct, because the most recent one said, oh, well, it's 15%. And we think that it's probably pretty close going backwards. So if you if you look at that currently for the 2015 year, that would be a difference of 13 or 11 million dollars in cash, mm-hmm. less. And if you add it all up, it would be 64.5. Mm-hmm. These numbers are correct. And we think they're probably pretty close. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a, uh, an important issue. So we're you know detailing what we think the number is, and um, then we're saying to them, okay, we think that's unfair, and in fact. You know, the, the SARA does have the ability to set how the distribution is done. And it says it'll pay, and it says each participant, that's us, will pay for its obligations. Okay, well, we certainly want to pay for our obligations, the amount of liability that's attributable to our employees. Um, and uh, let's see, and we also noted that CalPERS, which is the biggest plan in the state, California Public Employee Retirement has actually recently done the same thing for the same exact reason. And we've got, you know, the detail. this is a summary, but we've actually got the the letter that details all of this. And they actually did the same thing. They switched to a percent of liabilities because it wasn't fair. So this is more detail about that. So, we, we want you to be aware of this because we're actually at the point where we're preparing to go to a Sarah and we want to have a conversation with the county first but we're prepared to go to Sarah and make this formal uh, request to change the methodology.
4: So well will there be well one organization ours gains will someone else lose and if, who are those his ox is getting bored. I guess is
2: the uh, yeah. So uh, that that would be the case. It's a zero sum game, and from Sarah's perspective, this is just an allocation issue. Okay, and so the other participants, which would be the County of Alameda, uh, the court, the sheriff, uh, some other oh. groups, yeah, like four or five other groups. But... Yeah. The Court's doing okay. five. Okay. Uh huh.
8: Okay.
2: So that completes the uh, my report. And um, uh, Jim, if there's no questions, we can move into the uh, chief information officer's report.
0: I have no questions for me. Any other trustees have questions? No questions. Okay. Let's hear from Mr. Gravender.
9: All right. Well, you uh, you have my submitted report. I don't want to go into too much detail on on what's in there. The IT long-range plan is something we're working on. At this point, it's a lot of process reporting of what we're working on because the deliverables are really happening in this month of September. At the end of September is when that first batch of phase one comes to conclusion. I included kind of the table there that shows the components and their delivery dates, which all look like September 30th. So that's why a lot of it is uh, next month I'll have for you, as I mentioned, uh, the structure of the IT governance. I'll be ready to present that and show you where we're going with that. And then also more on what's happening with each one of these uh, components of this, the voice of the customer process, where we, where they interviewed a lot of people throughout the system uh, and got feedback on the current status of IES, IT and where we should be going as an organization. And so that information is coming back. We had a retreat uh, last week uh, that reviewed all those comments, sorted them out into six individual pillars, uh, is what Leidos calls them in the process, and we'll bring those back and share with you what Uh, the essence of what those groups, of of all those people said, and that our leadership team and IT steering committee uh, worked through to get that together. Uh, So we'll be sharing that. Uh, We've also started this portfolio management piece, which is really getting our hands around what are all the applications and software that we use throughout the system. And so that process is happening this month as well. A lot of times we've been collecting that. Uh, End of this week is when it's all due to be completed. And then the review of that with assessments on what can be used in the future, what should be replaced, what should be retired, uh, as we look at our total cost of ownership. So all those pieces in the application portfolio come together to figure out if we retire this software and replace it with something else, that money could be moved from the old software to pay for the new software. And that's the piece of this portfolio review to say what would be replaced if we were to make a decision to do a big EHR replacement project, how much money can be transferred from old software to new software. and and how can we do some consolidations and save money as well. For example, we have three different PACS systems in place. PACS is what uh, stores our radiology images, and so Alameda has a system that they had in place, San Leandro has a system they had in place, and we have a system here at Highland that we have in place. Three separate systems that we're paying for independently that we support independently with staff to support each of those. So we think there's some cost savings in consolidation of all those systems.
4: So David, how how do you establish how do you establish a, a, pro, a project priority and what you see as I, I mean this is huge and you've got so many so many i mean you're throwing up balls all over the place how do you go through and what's the process to say these are the things these are the top issues that we need to get we need to focus on yeah. I, I don't think you can do it all and so how did you we, set that we will up? not
9: be able to do it all So part of the Leidos engagement is to bring forward the governance process which addresses specifically that. So actually at tomorrow's IT steering committee we're we're beginning to address what are the criteria by which we'll be prioritizing projects. So how will they be essentially scored to get them into a sequencing that we look at and say this is the order by which we should address projects.
4: So you have a score sheet and it's weighted or tell me a little bit more. I I just you know I worry uh, and I'll tell from a, a a board member's perspective, having sat here, you know, projects come forward and their costs and we say, yes, let's do this. And and it, it uh, plugs up this hole and then another hole comes and it plugs up that hole. And so uh, I'm trying to understand how you decide what are the most critical things for you to focus on.
9: So at tomorrow's IT Steering Committee we're proposing a set of of measurement or or rating criteria we'll use to to score each project uh, along with those weighting factors and to multiply all that to come out with a value for each project and then just essentially do that for all of the projects that we have in our portfolio to to rank order them and then go through that and say, does that make sense, right, because numerical values don't always criteria might not be specific to a project so one project might say well I know it didn't score very high but that one's really important for us to do we might need to adjust our criteria uh, okay. well, and so s- s- then we will go back and But
4: stay with that. When we say we think that's going to be important for us to do who is, who is the we and what is the criteria for important so is is the electronic health record more important than I wish I knew all the stuff that you were doing then I don't know Yeah,
9: think your next uh, gen. Your next gen. I would think smaller, smaller than that one, because the EHR project itself is is so so enormous. It it doesn't. It's not going to be compared to other smaller projects. So think of a projects like uh, specifically anesthesia billing system, anesthesia management system, right? So what happens during the perioperative process is data comes in. The anesthesiologist does a whole lot of work and it captures data and then it generates charges for that while also collecting all the clinical data that needs to be collected for reporting on the patient. So that's one request we have. Another one would be for a project to support uh, capturing of the images and the documentation of what happens in the GI lab, right? So these are very specific departmental projects we'll be looking at. The question is, how does that fit into the bigger overall EHR plan that we're looking at? And so yes, that's and what we'll and rank
4: how- those how do you avoid the squeaky wheel getting the grease and how so that's that's why i'm pressing on on the project is it is is the priority balance and maybe you give it points or whatever the the financial implications to the organization is it the issue of patient the the initial patient access or safety i mean what is it that because every organization, I mean every department can probably make a case on why this is most important for them. Yes. And, and so...
9: So what is that scoring and ranking criteria that we'll use to kind of say this is more important than that? And it's at the steering committee level which includes all of the key stakeholders, right? So the, this, the whole C-suite is in that committee uh, with physician representation as well to look at w- what is the most important thing for us to do next. Or, or in this series of projects that we would do and that we can afford to do, right, because all of those come together in, in figuring that out. So return on investment might be part of that, right? Patient quality and safety might be a part of that. Medieval how does it fit years. into the IT long-range plan? So, right? How do those things come together to say, yes, these are the right projects for us to be working on right now?
4: Okay, so it's going to be subjective.
2: Yes. And so and the scoring is the what's, scoring what's is what's like
5: urgent and what's burning,
2: yeah, like, With the methodology. Yeah. We're actually debating the criteria right now and the weights.
4: And that's really, I'm interested yeah. in, in yeah. the methodology yeah. that uh, uh, signs that this is what we're going to be focused on. And, yeah. you know, you've heard me say before, you can do anything you want, you just can't do everything. And so as a result, you've got to be able to, to really focus. And I'm interested in, in these IT dollars, which are huge. Um, and and if it were me, I'd spend even more in IT. But you know, um, it, it has to be focused. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. And yeah, that's so that method.
9: So yeah. we can bring that back. So IT—that's literally what IT steering committee is working on tomorrow. Is that what are those criteria and that ranking priority process that we'll be
0: using to do that?
8: Okay.
0: And uh, Dave, Jim. Um, So a couple of things. One is I I think it's going to be really important because this is like, you know, as Michelle said, this is huge. This is a really big deal and we're going to be making a decision that the organization is going to live with for quite some time, I think. So, um, uh, you know, make sure you put in, you know, the uh, effort to, you know, over educate the board, don't under educate us. And um, and, and just... uh, yeah, So, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the, the one-page quick summary isn't going to work. <laughs> but I, I, w- I would you know, definitely devote some time in September, October, whichever is most uh, appropriate to getting us educated on what you have learned and where you're going, um, you know, and, 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 and keep us educated so that when we get to that final decision point, um, we're real smart about this. And you're real smart about this.
9: Well, I agree, Jim, and so what we've done so far is a lot of process around building what those decisions will be, and the month of September is yep. when those deliverables actually come to fruition and have something that I can share with you on On here's what the process will be, here's what the structure is, here's how the process mm-hmm. will happen. Okay. All right, so then I just wanted to mention in that um, the, the second piece of that, the phase two, is really working towards that uh, that portfolio analysis, bringing together all the applications and software, and so that piece has a longer tail on it, uh, working through December until we'll complete all of that process. Uh, so that's kind of what's happening around the IT long-range plan. Happy to answer any
3: other questions you might have.
4: Thank you. All
3: right. Uh, sorry, I stepped off for a second. Uh, My break. Uh, <laughs> making the bladder gladder, I think that's what Jeff calls it. Um, I don't know if you spoke to. Um, uh, some anecdotal feedback from uh, uh, providers about engagement in the process as far, if you did. Yeah,
9: I didn't. So so part of our voice of the customer process included actual providers, actual real physicians do, that do real work, uh, as opposed to us administrators that have watched them do real work with patients. Okay, I'll stop there. Uh, to participate in that process, right? So they reviewed comments. Uh, one of the comments that happened during the selection process of the vendor we chose to support us was... Um, that the physician's voice be heard in this voice of the customer process, that if it was just all of the suits in there and we didn't have clinicians in there, would we really find the right priorities and have the right things rise to the surface? And so the providers physicians that were in the room with us um, I asked them specifically Well, you made the comment at the meeting, how would we do on making sure your voice was heard in here and that the voice of the physician in the interview process came forward. And the comments was they were very happy with the process. Uh, That the way that the work was done the way comments were combined um, and created into their specific themes included that voice of the of the providers and what they were concerned about and bring that forward so uh, it, it was I think well received by the providers that participated and by those that knew of those that participated
4: that's really good because I, I do think that the board had made a, a deliberate request that if in fact you were going to go through this process mm-hmm. that that you would involve the, the medical and the providers right so that's great thank you yeah
0: thanks for asking um and Dave are are there any is there anyone I I guess to that um, is there anyone not being asked
9: (laughs) so let me go a little bit about who we talked to (laughs) no
0: so there were nurses the folks in Dave's shop you know in in Dave Cox's shop we, we didn't include Mike Moy. We didn't, we didn't really, did really care what Mike does. So. <laughs> Mike Moy is pointing
3: out that he was not part of the interview process. So uh, <laughs> Actually, I opted out, Jim. I told him as long as it had Microsoft Word and Excel that I was pretty much good to go. Long well, spell check, you
0: know, you, 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 so. you're going to regret this, Mike. You're going to regret it, but it's okay.
9: Yeah, uh, Just to address that, Jim, including that interview process were um, representatives from CHCN uh, and from the Alliance and the county. So we wanted external customer input as well as to what what their expectations were, what gaps they had in dealing with us and working with us. And so we Mm -hmm. want to make sure we got that perspective as well as physicians, nurses, uh, all of the ancillary departments and the support departments that we're working with. So over 40 interviews with more than 60 people in that process. So I think we did get a really good cross-section of all the people that that use IT and and that need IT to do their Mm -hmm. jobs. Great. Thank you. All right. So, so moving on, I just want to comment on the story and financial upgrade that we did. Uh, we were a pilot user with Cerner on their upgrade center process, which is new to them. On how do they ensure that we have more successful implementations of upgrades as they come out? Uh, so they worked through with us on the on the testing processes, where we identify defects in the software, where where the problems are, and how those get fixed and remediated before we go live into production. And so that was. Um, a very big learning experience for them to figure out how we build our testing processes and work through that, and then how they can help support resources to us to have, make that happen faster. And so it was good experience. Um, very few defects were found after live. I think there were four, uh, three of which were resolved within the first 24 hours, and one that is still persisting that we haven't, haven't been able to resolve yet, but still working on that. Uh, but overall, a really good process. We're looking to do it again on our Soaring Clinicals upgrade that we have coming in, in the first quarter of next calendar year. Um, that, that takes us to the version, sorry, in 4.1 on the clinical side, what, which gets us to the system we need to do meaningful use stage three, uh, which isn't required until fiscal year, well, calendar year 19, but we have to prepare for it today to make sure we got everything in place and get the software ready and, and processes ready to get that done. So lots of work to go to get to meaningful use three. So, so being Having the right software, the first step of that, which we'll get the beginning of next year.
4: Are you going to be here
0: for the audit committee? Yes. And, and actually, um, you just reminded me of something. So, um, Dave Cox, in your, I think in your July write up, you said that there were some um, uh, mm. system issues. Is that something worth discussing? At least updating us on? Um,
2: I'm not sure if they're correct yet. The or oh, which one? One was the. Uh, Issue where, um, yeah. issue where it was velocity the loss the credit balance issue where was the contract collapse was going through twice or backwards and the, and the other was um,
0: In, into lawson or
2: uh, no into uh sorry financials
4: of it was sorry financials where we were yeah, yeah well delvecchio had to
9: shake his finger this is a different issue than we had i think the
2: GL issue has been addressed the jail issue was addressed yeah Okay. Yeah, I don't know that we want to go into them, Jim. Pardon me? Uh, I don't know that we want to go into the details of those right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: yeah. we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll take it offline. That's fine. Yeah. Okay.
2: okay. All right. So um, the next item is... So uh, just just oh, two sorry. more things I want to sorry, talk about yeah. before
9: I finish up there. The, the order spending activation going live that I comment on here, super big deal. Um, Which
8: one
9: is this? The orders pending activation in my report here, because this allows us to have the physicians using NextGen at the Highland-based clinics to order laboratory tests in NextGen that automatically get sent to the lab. And they're just waiting there for the patient to show up, get registered, and get their testing done. Uh, So it doesn't require anymore that the physician handwrite the order that the patient takes with them down to registration to get entered into the system. It's all done electronically, kind of like, you know, what you would expect to happen in the year 2000 that orders could transfer electronically, but this is next gen talking to Sorian, which is a really big deal about interoperability, right? So that's that's the phase that's really the government's federal government's pushing on for meaningful use is this interoperability idea, and we've been able to do it now between next gen and Sorian to get this interoperability happening, um, and so that's really what allows us. We did radiology a couple months ago, and so now with radiology and laboratory in place, we can now roll out next gen to the rest of the specialty clinics. We were waiting for that. Uh, and had planned to have that done before we rolled out the OBGYN and the PEDS clinics, which are the kind of the final two primary care type clinics that we have, uh, and the AIDS clinic, which is also added to that. So they'll be coming shortly after that. But we so, wanted Jay, what, this in what, place before we started that. What
4: What percentage of, of the specialty clinics are not do not have, or either way, have access and and do not. So uh,
9: zero, half of them? Zero or zero percent of the specialty clinics are currently using nextgen. When the HIV clinic comes live, 100% of primary care clinics will be on next gen. We started in primary care, drove all the primary care, and then specialists come next to that.
4: And how long do you you anticipate that? that,
9: That's the plan we're currently working on to decide how fast can we do that rollout, what resources do we need to put in place to make sure we can do that as quickly as we want to, having the right training in place and the right at-the-elbow support for the providers when they go live. And so I can't say that. I would certainly hope within the next year, we're done. Next 12 months from now, we'd be, well, 12 months from now. By the end of calendar 17, all the specialty clinics would be live. And so we're building a plan around that, to work within that time frame. Okay,
8: thank
9: you. And then just lastly, I wanted to talk about the IS Service Center. So this is uh, bringing our help desk essentially back on site uh, with our employees as opposed to outsourcing that to, to what was Siemens and then Cerner. Uh, which we had degrading services over time uh, that kind of um, varied a lot on, on how good they provided services to us. Sometimes it was great, sometimes it was bad. When it was bad, we talked to them and then it got better, uh, and then it got worse again. And so there was a constant battle of always working with them to improve those, to get those services at an acceptable level. And then just some of it was the completeness of the work being done. So for them, they would, man- they would measure uh, Tickets resolved on first call or or calls resolved on first you know contact and if they created a ticket for our technicians which needed to be escalated to them they call, they considered that completed well that 's not completed to me because all you did was created a ticket escape. for someone which is like that's great except it didn 't really fix the issue for the end user and so we're, we're measuring resolution on first contact as we fix the problem, and so we'll be measuring that over time and looking at that and and then expanding the services that the service center does. So it's not just the help desk. Uh, This will be expanded into other services, so there's one number to call. If you've got a problem, call this one number, and they'll get it dispatched to the right people to get that done. Because today, there's different phone numbers to call for biomed problems, facilities problems, IT problems, that you call an individual phone number. Some of that is a guy's voicemail box, if that guy's on vacation or away, Mm -hmm. it sits. And so the service center concept is all calls go to the service center, get dispatched from there to the right people ensure they're followed up on, doesn't fall through the cracks, and, and everything gets resolved.
8: Mm-hmm. Uh,
9: so that's what we can do with this staff that we couldn't do without sourcing a discerner.
8: Mm-hmm.
9: Uh, we couldn't add those types of services to that activity. And so we're building it with that in mind and how it gets done. So 10 new FTEs uh, that we've hired to do that, locally sourced people uh, that live in work here uh, and working for AHS. So we're excited about that. Uh, ramping up very quickly, 7 by 24, 365, those 10 people handle all those calls.
5: And starting timeline?
9: Uh, it started on July 1st. It
5: started so on July 1st. So we're live, yeah. Oh, so this is not, the, it's still core, right? It's system, it
9: system- wide, yeah. System wide okay. support center services.
0: That's good. So that's it. Okay. Okay, other questions? Mm-hmm. Mm. All right.
2: Okay, uh, the next item is um, business planning process. And uh, my quick definition of this is it's the process of converting a strategic plan into operation. So it's very important. Uh, It is going to uh, involve uh, development of business plans for many uh, things that are going to have to get approved by this board. Uh, And it's going to be a standing item on the uh, finance committee agenda going forward. So we thought this is an opportune time for our leader in this area, uh, Ishwari Venkatamaran, to uh, describe the process to you.
10: Thank you. Um, so, Welcome, as Ishwari. Thank you. It, it's a pleasure to be here and very excited to be part of this organization at this important juncture as we uh, start implementing uh, and actualizing our strategic plan. So um, I have a short slide deck prepared, and uh, really the intent is to walk you all through the process on how we would do a business plan. And uh, I intend to cover three things there. One is sort of uh, lay out the context and how the strategic plan rolls into the business planning process. And acknowledge that as this is a hybrid year, how would we, um, um, as we are already in the process of developing our organizational structure to support these strategic business units, How would we then uh, do some of our operational planning? Um, I want to walk you through that process and then um, lay out the business planning component within that context and um, and provide you more details on how we would do a robust business plan. And finally, um, also present a draft uh, that we are considering here about uh, how we would do an annual planning process which feeds into the business planning cycle which would um, set us up to have this process take place earlier in the year as we commence our uh, planning efforts to execute on our strategic plan. So I won't go through these slides in too much detail. Hopefully this is familiar to the board. This is uh, to this, uh, familiar to this committee. This is our uh, strategic direction as articulated in the strategic plan uh, based on um, being supported by the pillars that our mission and vision is still intact and how we are transforming ourselves in the course of a few years to a population health management organization. Um, Again, just a quick recap to enable us to do this. We are um, um, uh, forming ourselves into strategic business units, Um, and and we had articulated as a part of our strategic plan a high-level strategic direction on what we intend to do within each of these strategic business units as well as our support services over the course of the next, of the next three years and uh, said that uh, this year as well as some part of next year is really foundational because so many of our strategies depend on fixing that foundation and setting us up to move to um, a take on a population health approach. So um, this is again just the same slide as, um, as it articulates the support services now that support the different SDUs. So, as we thought about um, our business planning process for this year, um, if you see that uh, this is a little complicated, but really it is hopefully simple enough in that we have our strategies developed as a part of our strategic plan. We are right now in the process of um, doing our organizational structure, and as we're defining that, we are also um, doing our operational plans, which then lead into our goals and budget. Uh, I'm sorry, our goals and performance goals for the rest of this year. Um, In October, November, the board has a retreat. So we will, as Delvecchio had mentioned earlier, we will inform you all more about our progress and our strategic planning efforts. And then we also have an internal retreat plan where we start prioritizing some of these big um, 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 goals that we have to execute on, which would then feed into our long range capital needs projections Um, for this year as well as for the future years, and also provide us an opportunity in this time frame to outline what our priorities are moving forward for the next fiscal year. The next slide will sort of uh, articulate the details on how we would do a planning calendar. This is our catch-up year as we're executing and developing our organizational structure to help us complete this year, having actualized some of the operational plans from the strategic So, the part that's highlighted in the dotted line is really um, the business planning part, which I'll talk to you all a little bit more in detail.
5: By by the end of this calendar year, we'll have the metrics you will have the metrics for the new dashboard based on our population? Yes,
10: that is our intent. Um, One of the deliverables, as articulated earlier, I I didn't mention that, thank you for reminding me, is to have those dashboard metrics developed by uh, each SBU Mm -hmm. and also um, that one that would inform uh, Alameda Health System as a whole. So this is our um, annual planning, um, financial planning, reporting cycle, calendar that we envision. Uh, Most organizations typically do some um, sort of cycle like this. So um, we just sort of laid this out in high level. Um, And so if you think about it, we are already in our second quarter of this year. So we we are, as a part of that process, would be then talking about how we would set up our goals for next year and our uh, operational priorities for next year as we complete our operational plan and our organizational structure for this year.
3: So
4: where's the board's role in this process?
3: Two, two, two points, so as you see in the Sorry. sorry. Um, there's, actually it's gonna start out of a sequence so you can see how it kind of is iterative. But if you go to uh, quarter four, so this is of a of a, a I'll say a normal year. This year is, as far as saying, it's hybrid, so we're sort of implementing and planning uh, together because the plan, um, um, the planning process went through the end of the year. But uh, let's say when we get to Q4 of next year, the April, May, June period, you have a board retreat. And that retreat, uh, we will be coming to you uh, saying, um, or proposing, I should say, uh, what the uh, uh, targets are for the next year. You'll have some updates throughout, but but at this point it'll be here is a uh, a sort of uh, hopefully finalized version of the targets that we're trying to achieve for next year operationally as well as along with the budget. All of that would happen through the three month period of the third quarter of the year. Be um, uh, going to the fourth or I'm sorry, then from the fourth. Uh, quarter into the first, then we start to operate, right? So the first three months of the quarter, then we come to you in the second quarter and say, how is the first quarter going relative to what we talked about in the third quarter? So we do a little bit of a little look back and then a forecast looking forward for the rest of the year based off of the first three month experience saying how we're doing. And, and a retreat can be the point at which we do that in a little bit more detail. But then we will start internally Uh, right away almost looking at the next year and saying, okay, what are the goals or what are sort of the, the targets as we see them if we're able to successfully achieve what we do this year? And then uh, starting to then go into the third quarter saying, then what would the process or what would some of the budget targets be around that? So the internal process of collecting information from people in the organization, not going through that traditional process of it just being a set period where we do this because we're going to be doing a rolling budget. But this will be a point in time where we'll focus in in a little bit more detail on what the next year might look like bringing updates to the board obviously as we do in finance committee and the board and otherwise talking about again how we're performing this year but then uh uh, really set periods of the second quarter and the fourth quarter where we say here's how we're doing here's how we look forward and we do that twice a year in detail but throughout the year giving you updates and
4: and where where is the um and i'm I'm talking about the the performance evaluation process, and not just for you, Del Vecchio, but you and your for the organization for the organization, yeah. your leadership team. And uh-huh. you know, where, where does that in the cycle is gonna, going to? It happens in
3: Q two, I believe it is. Q
4: one uh, as well. Q1. Is it q
3: one. Sorry, yeah.
4: Q one for the previous right for the previous cycle. That's right for the previous cycle. So
3: the year ends, we do the performance appraisals and uh, uh, do the all, all the stuff that. So of course we have. Uh, represented staff, and then we have non represented staff. So we do all of that and, and do the adjustments that we need to do relative to salary increases, mm-hmm. staff increases, all that stuff mm-hmm. that uh, is reflective of the past performance, and, mm-hmm. and that happens going into the second quarter.
10: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This then leads us into a more detailed um, set of slides, just three slides on what we envision as our business planning approach. Um, I'd like to think about it in terms of three um, big buckets. Having the right people and aligning those folks within our um, structurally to enable them to do, um, uh, to support the operations, which is um, aligning our business and strategic planning structure to support the strategic business units. The second is having a consistent and robust approach, which is a process. Uh, And towards this, we are already in the process of developing a template for a business plan that we intend to use so that as we come to this committee and to the board and present business plans, we've already thought through what is the most consistent and rigorous methodology we should apply, what are the metrics we should be considering, so we are all following a consistent and robust approach to developing a business plan. And finally, as we develop and build this function and department and integrate this across the organization, we want to be able to have the capabilities within our organization to balance both that qualitative and quantitative information uh, to help develop our business decisions and inform our business decisions as well as drive our business decisions. So um, towards the... um, um, how we would do that. Again, just saying that we want to make sure we are aligned and driven by the strategic direction uh, that our strategic plan provides us. Um, Again, as I mentioned earlier, we want to ensure that our process is consistent and guided by a common template. Uh, As we develop this, we are also being very intentional in making sure that we form, uh, if there is a need for business plan articulated, We are forming a group with multiple stakeholders across the organization, and we are being very intentional in doing that, which would include, for example, folks from operations uh, that would be the lead to help uh, define and articulate the need, uh, as well as help implement the business plan. And then, of course, from financial planning analysis and from um, the planning folks to provide all those um, um, quantitative numbers and the pro forma, which would then get built into the business plan itself. Um, We are also being uh, intentional in making sure that we are building our business plan um, and our template uh, in aligning our, uh, obviously looking at financial metrics, but also looking at other important metrics that are critical to our strategic direction. And I just, uh, these are basically what is in our pillars, uh, but I've just articulated uh, that in detail as well. And and finally, uh, we intend to have the plan owner present the business plan to the respective committees so that there is ownership um, and there is uh, accountability as well as uh, partnership as we do this um, and execute this for the system. Um, So again, just capturing the process on how we would um, uh, enable this process um, through the um, uh, uh, vehicles we have within AHS to advance a business plan. As we develop a business plan, which would be done by the business planning committee, which would depend on the business plan it could involve multiple people across the system. Um, it would then go to our through our internal process to the budget oversight committee, which again is populated with uh, key people across the system who then review and, uh, and then if it, if needed, would approve um, the budget uh, budget implications for it. And if the proposal exceeds a certain amount, which is the million dollars, then it would come to you all for approval. And before we do that, the ELT would also have a chance to um, inform, review the plan, and then inform, make sure that we are um, 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 dotting the I's and crossing the T's as we develop it. So we are trying to build an approach that is uh, consistent and robust um, through the organization. So that is all I had. Any questions? (laughs)
4: <laughs> I do um, have. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: You you, you you've uh, bit, uh, laid out quite a uh, quite a busy process there for yourself, Troy. Right. <laughs> oh.
10: Well, it's 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 for all of us. So the the folks that are involved uh, will have the pleasure of going through this as we develop a business
4: plan together. D- David, I didn't understand on the find on the financial template where all the business units are. The San Leandro and Highland, etc. Mm-hmm. There was a column called Population Health, mm-hmm. and I'm not understanding what that column includes. What what is that? Mm-hmm. If this is if Population Health is across the organization, I wasn't understanding what that column represented.
3: Yeah, so so this will be a little bit clearer when we present the uh, the uh, system wide organization chart. So there are parts of the organization that. Um, Will fall under the um, the uh, guidance of the uh, um, chief administrative officer for population health role that we're recruiting for. Uh, That'll include things like um, we're rebranding governmental relations and community affairs to we call public, or I'm sorry, public affairs and and community community engagement. Uh, So population health, obviously, being involved in looking at how we redesign our care model, but also. Pushing out to partnerships in the community, whether they are uh, uh, legislative stakeholders, community stakeholders, so that part of the organization reporting under this individual uh, focus on health equity, and whether that's in the uh, the sort of embodiment of that individual or a uh, or a function that uh, is a, a resource that actually helps the organization to look at of equity across the different business units, uh, care management because it's involved in actually moving. Uh, uh and uh facilitating care delivery through various parts of the business units i'm sort of doing this by, by my head, uh, vis- my head, but um, uh there is there will be you know sort of staffing resources in that um in that budget uh, or in that particular part of the organization as well as non-staffing resources for example and i don't know that we've determined this yet but the population health the conifer contract which that person will mm-hmm. help to facilitate for the organization maybe a non uh, uh HR or personnel expense that lays within that budget because they'll be working to facilitate that engagement with that entity for us. So so the work there is involved around helping all the other business units in the organization coordinate care uh, that moves us towards managing care under a capitated environment uh, that uh, actually pushes out and works with different partners in the community to facilitate various resources healthcare or non-health uh, and that, uh, let's say, partnership with other stakeholders. So that's that's what will fall under that part. But when we give you uh, the org chart, which is almost done, uh, uh, actually, we intend, intend for it to be done by the end of this month, um, uh, that you'll see that and then other parts of the organization That's we to Okay,
4: So you'll have it at the retreat so we can. We can uh,
3: yeah, you'll see it before the retreat, uh, okay. but we can go into more detail at the okay,
4: retreat. Great, thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Okay, Jim, Jim like, I think we're. I'm sorry, David. Go
2: ahead.
0: No, I think, no, I, I, I just had that one comment that Mishwari um, um, certainly laid out an ambitious process. So looking forward to that.
2: Okay. So, uh, Jim, the last thing we have is uh, committee planning. And I do have a master calendar on page 105. It's going Some of these things were delayed, so we'll have to redo it. But uh, some things you can expect to come up are the capitation educational session. Um no. We have um, a business planning session, section which is going to have uh, things like GI service lines, space needs. We'll move the um, rehab location relocation plan down there. The John George analysis. Um, we have some uh, retrospective reviews coming. Uh, innovative, which is uh, IT outsourcing, uh, AMF media plan, rehab care pro. Pro transport, some other things, and um, yeah, some more education. So uh, we didn't, uh, we weren't able to bring the contracting uh, process presentation to you tonight. I know that uh, that's something you've been asking for, but we want to run it through the, uh, the ELT before it comes here. That's about it.
0: And just one thank you for one quick question. Um, so you have here HS first quarter review against plan on October 5th, is that a little early? It might be. Given It might be. Maybe. given the I mean, the is going to end on September
2: 30th. I mean, it's fine. It just yeah. seems like it's a little... Yeah, unexpected. it probably ought to be the next month
3: out. I would agree with that, actually. I, I think it may have gotten there because I, I believe in the minutes, uh, and when we uh, completed the budget, you may have asked for it in October, but we didn't oh, okay. catch that. That would have been right after the end of the quarter, so it's probably... Too early, so I think. Yeah, maybe we're
0: thinking there's a different timing for. But anyway, October fifth. This looks just.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, too early. We'll I mean, either be a real. Yeah, I don't think it will do justice to the topic if we do it that soon.
2: Unfortunately. Yeah, so, but you know the problem. Month the, the, kind of. Go ahead. The, the problem is there's not going to be a meeting in December, which would then put it out to January.
3: and January. Right. Is well,
2: no, a, we could do it in November, November
3: right? Do in November. November, you're going through okay. September, yeah.
0: Oh, that's where Yeah, and I, I mean maybe there's something we can pull from November that would make sense perhaps to yeah, I, um, I do. Okay. so we don't get all November yes. all jammed up. But Right. there's time to work on that.
2: Oh, I'm looking down here. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Thank all
4: right. you. All right. Uh Jim, I haven't had I'm sorry, are you finished? Uh Jim, I haven't had I'm a chance finished, yes. uh no i I meant David <laughs> i haven't had a chance to tell you but our our new trustee um, Gary Charlin, has agreed to sit on the finance committee um because I think we're light and he's has that in a background so David and the you guys may want to reach out i i my schedule yeah. i was going to meet with him in my I, we've had a phone conversation, but my schedule was such, and so you may want to do some introduction yeah. to to the finance committee and be you
2: happy
3: know
2: to do
4: that. Yeah, you bet. onboarding as you guys like to say sure.
3: I've, I've reached out to him and we're we're uh, working to schedule a get together just an informal get together before the next the uh, october meeting which is i think the first one he's going to schedule. yes
4: he'll be at the retreat so he can't come to the he's coming, he's coming to the retreat but he won't be able to be at the um,
3: uh, at i the think he actually meeting. said he can make the early october meeting as well um Oh. At least when we talked about it, because I, I thought the retreat as well from your message, but I think he's trying to make the early one as well.
4: The fi- early finance meeting? The
3: education one.
4: Oh, the education meeting? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. 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 I
2: think that's it, Jim. All right. Um, Suzanne are
0: there any public requests for public comment?
10: None today. Did you say no? I did say no.
0: Okay. Thank you any further trustee comments
5: thank you the reporting the new reporting is really really good so thank you for making that so much clearer.
4: yes thank you yes contract things look good yep we'll keep you around okay (laughs) thanks
3: thank you okay
0: well um any final comments from management even though it's not on the agenda
3: Mike, yes. No, I'm kidding. No, no, we're good. Thank you. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, in that case, um,
0: I'll adjourn the meeting, and I guess we'll pretty much all be back together shortly for audit. Thanks, Jim.
2: Thanks. Yes. Thanks.
0: Thank you.